Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word. Gosh, thank you so much that you would uh, come to us, that you would um, help us, uh, that you would know us and allow us uh, to know you. Uh, And not just allow us, but to help us to know you. And we thank you so much for your word and for... um, uh, that for preserving it by your spirit uh, throughout the ages, that you would uh, now um, speak to us. We thank you that it is not just uh, ink and paper, but it's, uh, it's living and active, um, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray, God, that by your mercy that you would uh, pierce our hearts uh, with your word today as we begin to go through the book of Colossians. And we thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you have bestowed upon Paul and upon um, us through Paul's words, and we ask God now that you would uh, just come and take every, all our baggage, everything that we um, brought in here, that you would take it up uh, by your mighty hand, and that you would replace that with your grace. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to, um, I, I have um, these Bibles here if you would like one. I have it on the screen for the most part. Um, we're just doing Colossians 1 today. If we get all the way through Colossians 1, it will indeed be an act of mercy and grace. But um, so each week we're just going to take we're just going to take a, a chapter of, of Colossians. Um, uh, let me ask you this: what uh, What do you know uh, about Colossians? What What do you know about Colossians other than it's after Acts. it's it comes somewhere after Acts? Yeah. It's not a gospel, but it is New Testament. Yeah, right? Good. Uh, written by Paul. Written by Paul. Anything else? All right. Well, that's good. It's four chapters, so we've got four weeks. And honestly, like you, we could easily take 16 weeks. We could, or we could take a full semester. We could do four weeks on each chapter. We're not going to. I'll spare you that. Uh, but we're going to. We'll, uh, and Gil wouldn't let me anyway. So, um, so you can see from this map, Colossae is right right here, right in the middle of um, uh, what is now Turkey. And, um, and so when Paul went on his, um, this is the second missionary journey of Paul, he went around here, up, went to Ephesus, and then around to Corinth, and, and on around, but he never went to Colossae. Uh, he, never, um, he never did. But what happened was, there was this fellow named Epaphras. And Epaphras went um, to Ephesus, he was from Colossae, and uh, he went to... Um, is that mine? There it is. Um, he went to there, maybe on business, uh, but he met Paul while Paul was in Ephesus. Paul spent a good bit of time in Ephesus. And he and Epaphras came to know Christ and came to understand the gospel and, and uh, received the Holy Spirit while he was there uh, in Ephesus. And he took uh, that message back uh, to Colossae when he returned to his hometown and began to teach. I remember uh, going to a Bible study, and I think I've... Um, actually said what I learned at that Bible study. Uh, I remember hearing a Bible study probably in high school or college that the, the book of Romans was the only letter that Paul wrote to a church that he didn't found. But he did not found the, the, um, the church at Colossae. Epaphras uh, seems to have done that. And so, um, but, so, so uh, Paul met uh, in Ephesus, or um, Paul met Epaphras in Ephesus, and, um, and then he went back uh, Papers went back to Colossae, and so he and he and Paul seems seem to have kept uh, in touch. Uh, and so, what the question is? So, why is Paul writing? Well, um, Paul is now in jail in Rome. So this is late in Paul's uh, ministry, 
and uh, and and Epaphras seems to have sought him out. So he left Colossae, and, and it's no it's no easy thing to get to Rome from Colossae. But he went. He probably wouldn't just happen to be in town on business. But he, he seems he was probably going to seek Paul's wisdom because false teaching had, had crept into uh, the church and the, or the churches, the house churches there in Colossae. And, um, and so he's seeking Paul's uh, wisdom. And Paul writes them a letter. Uh, he also writes the letter, uh, a letter to the church in Laodicea, which we do not have copies of, cause, but we know that because he says, have you read their letter and have them read your letter uh, too. Uh, and, then, um, and then Epaphras is the one who, who brought the letters back. He also um, seems to have gone uh, from Rome back to Colossae with a man named Onesimus. Do you know the name Onesimus? Does that name ring a bell to anybody? Onesimus was um, a slave of Philemon. So he carried also, seems to also have carried a letter, very one chapter letter um, called Philemon, which is the very last, right before Hebrews, it's the very last one, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And Phile- the whole Philemon is a, is a remarkable book, but it's, a, it's about the, he, he is encouraging his brother in Christ, Paul is encouraging his brother in Christ, Philemon, to free his, all his brother in Christ, Onesimus, who was his slave. So anyway, this is it's all in the same transaction. So that's why Paul is writing to address the false teaching, but and also to encourage uh, the church there. Uh, and, and and it's really scholars have gone back and forth. About what is what was the false teaching there in uh, in Ephesus or in Colossae? What what was the false false teaching? And there's people have written dissertations and debunked dissertations and all that on on exactly what it was. But it seems to have been uh, like like every other heresy at some point is adding to the gospel. Uh, whether it's from paganism or Judaism or, or some uh, mix thereof, uh, adding to uh, the gospel of, of Christ. Um, and so we can see some of that. And, um, and so what we will uh, do is we'll just um, go through and read the, uh, the, this chapter, and then we'll go through and get as far through it as we can. And, um, and I'll give you a few points on what we don't, and we're just going to pick up in chapter 2 next week. So uh, I'll try to hit the highlights of what, well, we don't get there. So Colossians is uh, right after uh, Philippians. So it's uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then General Electric Power Company. I just saw, that's how I, I saw, I learned it in high school. I still use it today. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. That's, that's where it is. So, all right. So uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. It's just a typical sort of introduction. And then, as is standard, a thanksgiving, which, which morphs into a prayer. Uh, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, 
He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, and so from, the fir- from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, and you, Uh, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present to you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints." To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of His mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. All right. So, I, if you can tell, I mean, we really could spend just weeks just, just on that, uh, just there, but we, we're not. We're going to spend, in fact, I think actually Mark Ginellette was taught a year or so ago on Colossians, and he was going to go, and then he, he just ended up changing the four-week class to Colossians 1, I, you know, I think is what he, what he ended up doing. So, um, what we see in this, we see Paul's prayer, we see Christ's preeminence, we see the gospel's power, we see Paul's 
proclamation. Maybe that there I'm, I was able to. I'm, I'm so Presbyterian. I was able to get him all P's, all, all my points, all P's. Um, Paul's prayer, Christ's preeminence, the gospel's power, and Paul's proclamation. Um, I would like I just say as as we get into those, there 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 are going to be things that we don't hit. You might have questions about, and I would love for you to um, to write those down. Send me an email. Um, you know, give me a call or something, and we'll we'll go through those things. I, I want you to um, I want you to to dive in as deep as you can. Um, all right. So this is uh, Paul's prayer uh, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Isn't that isn't that the the bugaboo in, in the Christian life? Like you're walking like, what is God? Have you have you struggled with what is God's will? What is what is God's will in this? And what do you do to, to find out God's will? I mean, most, you, you pray, and you might read Scripture, and you wait. And that's kind of what most, most people do. And I think that that's probably not a bad plan. Maybe we might talk to friends, or we might just forge ahead, you know, and just, I, I often catch myself asking God to bless my wake. You know, and I, Lord, I just did this. Please bless it. You know, like when I, um, but we are we're um, we're when we say our prayers. What what Paul is praying here is that they may be filled with the knowledge of His will. They're passive in this. They're not asking. He's not asking God uh, God to um, make them able to fill themselves with the knowledge of God's will, or even to discern God's will at least initially. But that God Himself may fill them with knowledge of his will. I don't think this is specifically speaking of the script for your individual lives, but the will of God to save us in Christ. Uh, the will of God to, um, to hold us uh, up, to reconcile, and we're going to see this all through this chapter, to reconcile us to himself by the means of Christ. Uh, and that's the knowledge that, um, that they are to be filled with. And you remember when um, Peter professed Christ, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and remember what Jesus says to him, he says, flesh and blood didn't give you this, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's what um, Paul, I believe, is, is speaking of now, that they may, may be filled uh, passively uh, by God. He's praying for them, which is instructive to us that we pray for ourselves, we pray for others, our children, our friends, and our small group. Pray for your pastors uh, that we may be filled, that God may be filled continually, uh, be filling us with uh, the knowledge uh, of His will. Um, so not an individual plan, not at least in this context, uh, the individual plan for one's life, um, or at least primarily, the, um, the saving action of God uh, in Christ. Um, we're, we're to know His will specifically uh, in wisdom and understanding. And I think that is in discernment and, and clarity. Uh, to know, um, I, I think, well, let me say this real quick about being filled. That's, um, that's what fills us is the knowledge of His will, not things that we try to add to the gospel. And this is the, um, so, so scholars have looked really to this word filled, that's why it's underlined there, uh, have looked to this word filled to, to try to begin to discern what it was that was being taught by these false teachers. Um, 
and it probably is a carryover from old paganism or old Judaism. Just people, you know, as as you know in your own life, I know in my life that we just naturally try to add things uh, to the gospel. Uh, G- Jesus plus what equals our happiness. Jesus plus uh, our child uh, behaving in church uh, um, today. Um, our uh, Jesus uh, plus financial security. Jesus plus a happy spouse. Whatever it is that will make me uh, happy or fulfilled. And Paul is saying that we are filled filled to the brim, full uh, with the knowledge of His will. Uh, but not, uh, not just willy-nilly, but with wisdom and with understanding. Think about uh, wisdom is taking truth that you know and applying it according to that truth. Um, applying it well. Not just sort of eternal uh, assurance, which is really important to have eternal assurance, but taking that the truth of our eternal assurance in Christ and applying it to our daily lives. And in fact, we preach the gospel so much here that that uh, at the Advent that we often hear that complaint. I know, but what do I do? Like, what? How do I apply it? That's what Paul is praying for them and for us that we may be filled with the knowledge of God, with wisdom, and with uh, understanding, with clarity, uh, taking what you know and making uh, good decisions with it. And I would say that as for my life in Christ, anyway, that's kind of trial and error. Um, and, and that's why I often say, uh, and I, I didn't make it up or anything, but the, but the all of Christian life is repentance. I mean, Martin Luther, I think, said that. Um, but I certainly have found it to be true that, that, that uh, we try and we tell God how it went and we're sorry for ways we messed it up and will you help us again the next time and fill us with your will and then we and then something happens and we you know you know it's at work it's your kids it's your it's it's your family your parents and and they're aging or they're dying or they're they're uh, you're you know just it you have your head in 17 different directions at any given time and how how, how does the gospel how does what i know about god Inform and not just inform, but shape and and mold the way that I handle this. And and I would I personally don't often think about life like that. That's why I'm constantly repenting. You know, I don't go. I don't often stop and say, okay, I've just been disrespected by my child. What does the gospel say about this? I usually lash out, and then I have to say, what does the gospel say about that? You know, like so. Um, <laughs> But I, but I can, and I, and I should, and so should you. Like what to be filled with uh, wisdom and understanding, and, and and Paul says that there's a, there's a purpose. So we want to. He's the one filling us. He's filling us with the knowledge of His will, with all wisdom and, and understanding, so we can un- know the knowledge and, and have clarity. But so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And this is this is faith with legs. This is, um, and I would say, I mean, we have to be real careful here uh, because this is what we want to know how to do and we forget how it has been given to us to be done. Um, and, we're, and Paul doesn't forget and he goes right back to the gospel, but, um, and, but it's rooted uh, in the gospel and that is that the most important, powerful, uh, creative being in all of uh, the universe has known us personally. That has an impact and a bearing on our, the way we live our lives. And, and, and if you think about someone that you love very, very much, 
and who loves you very, very much. It's your spouse, it's your parents, it's your friend. You want to please them. There's Part of it is so that they will be pleased with you and you will receive that affirmation, but some of it too. I mean, you can, we, can, we can at least get to the point where we know it is, it is, um, we want to please them because we love them. And we enjoy their enjoyment. And, and you can say, well, I'm, I'm enjoying their enjoyment, so that's sort of about me too. And I, and I, I get that. But, um, but we want to walk in a manner worthy, not just of, uh, I mean, Paul, elsewhere Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received, which is high enough. But this says to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord himself. Uh, what an what a, a, a impossible, really, but, but high task. It's a calling on each of our lives. The only way that we can begin to approach it is by being filled with his knowledge, uh, the knowledge of, of his will. Um, it is... Uh, so we want we want to please him uh, because he has first loved us. John John says. Um, so so when I mean what we are saved we're not saved by our good works, but we are clearly Paul says saved for good works. Somebody said and I wish I could remember who it was said. Um, you don't need your good works, but your neighbor does. You know, you you don't. You're not saved by your good works, but part of how your neighbor gets saved is by by your good works. They see Christ in uh, you, and um, and and how that works out in their heart is sort of God's business. We don't have to force force that issue, um, but we want to bear fruit uh, in every good work. Um, and uh, let's see. I'm and then um, increase. In our knowledge of God, so so we return to Bible study, and we were and and our Bible study is a cycle. I mean, we return to Bible study, we go out, we're sent out into the world, and and to bear witness to His name. And a lot of times, at least the way that works out is we go to Bible study, and we go back, and we forget, and we um, and we kind of live our life, and then we go back to Bible study, and so hopefully there's an intersection and an overlap, but maybe there's there's not, but. Um, but there ought to be. I mean, that's what Paul is saying. This is, this is the Christian life right here, being fully pleasing uh, to him, uh, bearing fruit in, in every good work. Now, the, the bearing the fruit, that's, that's, I mean, that, it, that's organic. It, it grows uh, out of our good works, the fruit of our good works. Um, but it's, it's not, that doesn't mean our own success. But this is loving God and loving your neighbor. This is right back to the, fir- the great commandments. Uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Um, and so we're we're loving God um, by serving Him, and we're serving Him by serving others. That's walking in a manner worthy uh, of the Lord. Uh, will we me- mess up? Will we fall short? Uh, absolutely. Um, and yet that's um, that's why uh, we return. But we're not sa- again. We're not saved for these things. We're saved um, to them. We're saved to good work. Our good works. So Paul continues, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance. I mean, who doesn't need endurance? Like, I mean, just think about, I mean, if you're a parent, you need endurance. Um, and my, my buddy Craig here is often, because I have young kids, and my buddy Craig has told me um, that little kids are a handful and big kids are a heartful. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop um, when, when they get older. You still need endurance. Um, but it doesn't, you know, you need it with your parents and all that they're going through, and you need it with your job, and you need it with your faith, and you need it with your money, 
and you just need uh, endurance of faith and to, to trust. I mean, it takes endurance to know that Christ is in control because life a lot of times looks like Christ is not in control. And to trust that He is actually on His throne in the midst of, I mean, whether you, I mean, in the, gosh, look at the news. Just look, just go on and turn on the nightly news tonight and ask yourself, is Christ in control? That you know the answer, but is it, what, is your, what does it feel like? You know, and so, um, and so it takes endurance um, and it takes patience. And yet, in the midst of that, we can have joy um, knowing that Christ is in us, that He is for us, that He has uh, won. And we can actually give thanks because uh, we know where we are headed and we already actually know what's it, what happens at the end. right? We know who wins. And we thank God that we are on uh, His team. That is, um, we get to wear His... His team colors, right? We get, uh, we're going to be wearing white one day in heaven, and um, and we are so thankful for that. Um, it is amazing to me uh, that um, that God would endow us with these things, and yet, um, and yet, what Paul says is that uh, the reason that we want to bear witness for Him, the reason that we want to walk in a manner worthy of. Uh, the Lord is not so that the Lord will approve us, but because He has already approved us. That He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and He has transferred us to the kingdom of light. Does it feel like that in your life all the time? No, probably not. Is it true about you? Yes. And so remembering, if your faith is in Christ, that remembering that He has already transferred you uh, is part of what gives us the endurance. We thank God, oh my gosh, do I deserve this? Absolutely not. Did I live like someone who deserves to be transferred to the kingdom of light? No. I want to, um, I, I just thought the, the clearest illustration of this, or one of the clearest illustrations I have ever seen, this is going to be no surprise to you, uh, I'm sure, is Pixar, right? I mean, it's, it, is, um, it is, it's Toy Story 3. Um, I know you're all thinking exactly that. I'll say, when I, I, I was so excited about Toy Story 3 when it came out, how many years ago now? Probably four or five years ago. That I went to the very, I took my kids, Thomas and Caroline, to the very first showing on the very first day. I was just really excited about it. I mean, I love, and so they're in, they're, they're crying, they're seeing the scene at the end, it's so scary. And, 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 and they're crying, and then it doesn't end there. You think it should end there, and it doesn't end there. And then I was crying because it would get so sad at the end, and I would walked out furious. But anyway, um, but anyway, this, this little scene is a really, um, I mean, he just remember, he's, he's taken us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us. Um, yes, yeah, so... Um, well, no, I don't think it really... You don't really need to know what's going on in the, in the movie. But thank you for that, uh, honey. Um, so I've got my three-year-old my five-year-old. Not a good scene, man. I was, I was like, dang it!
<laughs> Alien righteousness, right there. That's 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 what it is. Um, all right, so wipe your eyes. Um, the uh, I um, I just I don't I just remembered that. Um, I I think that I mean so we're all going down, right? And um and yet this this um, from outside, completely outside of ourselves, Christ has has picked us up and transferred us uh, to life. And in fact, they, um, it's, it's not a spoiler alert, you've had time to watch the movie, right? So they, um, they, uh, uh, they're taking, uh, Andy's like a teenager now, and so they're given to this little girl, and, and they get new life. They get a whole new life. So uh, it really is, I didn't see it now, then, I was too mad. But, um, but, uh, uh, but it really is sort of a, a nice little gospel uh, presentation. So that's what we see there in, um, in, in Paul's prayer We've got 13 minutes. Okay, um, so Christ. So where we go from there is Christ's preeminence. Now, what I want you to see is that this really is the contribution of Colossians. Uh, this, this, um, this is the, one of the highest points of Christology in all of the New Testament. Um, this is where we see uh, one of Paul's most beautiful, um, engaging, uh, highest points of who Christ is for us, for Christians to see. And it is flanked on either side by the gospel. So we just saw the gospel as transferred from darkness into the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. And then we see it again in verse 21. If you're looking in your Bible, it's not on the screen yet. Uh, but um, on either side uh, we have the gospel, and in the middle, if you know, that's sort of a um, uh, that's a, that's a, what it's called an intercalation, and uh, um, and and that is. Uh, hey, how are you? My name's Joe Gibbs. Um, so the um, so when uh, a lot of times in when they were writing, uh, they would put um, something related on either side, and what so what's in the middle is really uh, important. Um, so that Jason, that's, is, am I right about that? Is that yeah, Dr. Wallace? Yeah, intercalation. Yes. He's like, I'm sorry, I was thinking about checking scores. Um, the um, the uh, um, so so here we see the preeminence of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. One of the primary problems of being human is we can't see God. We don't. We can't see him. We can't touch him. We can't um, know. It's, it, we can't know what he's like, and we can constantly 
uh, and we can actually kind of let ourselves off the hook because we can say, well, I can't see God. I can't know what He's like. And Paul says, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. We have every, God has seen fit to uh, give us His Word so that everything we know about Jesus we have right here in the Gospels and everything that we need to know. His Spirit has overseen that. No matter what um, scrutiny it undergoes from scholars, which it stands up to the scrutiny, uh, even by the most secular of, of terms. Uh, but what we, uh, what we see is that God has revealed His Son to us uh, in the pages of Scripture. If you want to know what God is like, um, then look at Jesus. We, you and I, were created in the image of God. And yet, Jesus more than being, Jesus was not created in the image of God. He is God, and He is the way we know what God looks like. He is, uh, you, you might uh, draw a sketch, and you look at, uh, you know, a bowl of fruit or whatever it is that you're drawing. You're drawing something in the image of the bowl of fruit. This is the, this is the model. Jesus is the model. He is, he is God that we are looking at. We are the ones uh, after whom, uh, uh, He is the one after whom we were created. Uh, he is the image of uh, the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That is an incredibly uh, high, uh, high statement. Um, then we have this statement, uh, which could potentially be a little bit problematic. Uh, why, why is it problematic that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation? Begat by God. Right. So he, um, it says that he was begat by God. Why is it problematic? That's right. That's right. So before Jesus became Jesus, before he looked like Gil, we saw today. Yeah. Right. Right. Sure. No, I understand. I understand. Would the problem be that he's not divine? Yeah. He was. Cre- I mean, this this could say to us that he's created. I'm so the, the problem is that is this could be saying that he's created, not just not just born uh, two thousand years ago, but that he, even if he's the firstborn of all creation, the way that we our ears would hear that, is that he is um, not he wasn't there in the beginning. As John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, Paul here says he's the firstborn of all creation. Now. The, what Paul is intending to say is not that he was created, that God fashioned him or fashioned him first, but that um, that he is he has all the authority of the firstborn. In their culture, of course, the firstborn uh, got everything, right? And that and everybody else was kind of looking up and hoping that their brother would be merciful and give them a, a piece of the pie. But the firstborn got everything. The firstborn was preeminent, and so he's he's uh, catering to that uh, image in the in their culture uh, that uh, he is over everything. He is the inheritor, but it doesn't mean that he was. Even though it says he's firstborn, it doesn't mean he was um, created. So that's that's an important thing for you to know. He, he was there in the beginning, um, and in fact, I mean he was there before the beginning. 
when God says, let us make man in our image, there's a plural, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, that is where we get the plurality there. Um, and He is the agent of creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Uh, through that He was the agent, which means this, that He was there at the beginning. He's the one who spoke, let there be light. He's the one uh, who said, let there be the... the the fish of the sea swarm through, through the waters and let the birds of the air flock in the skies. And He's the one who said it and it happened. He spoke into nothingness and there was. He, everything that was created was created through Jesus. Which ought to, uh, that's why the gospel is on either side. Can you imagine the one who died for you? So we have, he was there, I mean, I just put up the earth was foremost in empty darkness over the surface of the deep. That's just Genesis 1. He was there. Um, we have uh, the galaxy, and we have, oh, a picture for our men's hike. So if you haven't signed up yet, um, uh, there, there you go. So, um, so we see that he is, um, the other thing is that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Um, I... I remember I, I ran um, after school and day camp. I've told this story a few times, but I, I ran after school and day camp programs for the YMCA um, before seminary. And um, before on the morning of my first day camp that I was in charge of, I, um, I was, man, I was nervous. I did not know how it was going to go. And I happened to pick up Colossians 1 and read it. And I read, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I just needed... I needed to hear that he, all things were going to hold together in him. I, I knew it was going to blow apart, and it, and it did. Uh, I mean, it did hold together. So um, the, uh, um, the uh, and it was just, you know, we think about, like, whether it's, um, you know, our, our, our lot, I'm just, I put this, just, just our workplaces, downtown Birmingham, our family, uh, or our crazy family. Um, I just... <laughs> It says, uh, if you can't see it, remember, crazy runs in my family, and it runs with scissors, um, is what it says. I, um, I, I, it all, he, he's going to hold, it doesn't mean bad things won't happen, but that he, what, the majesty of Christ is that he can take even the awful things that happen to us and make them good. I don't know how that happens, but I, I mean, I know that we can look back over the things in our life and, and know that we wouldn't trade them. Because they've made us who we are, and they've made us, you know, they've given us opportunities to know Him uh, more deeply. Um, so He is uh, completely over creation. We see also that He is over uh, the church. He's the head of the body, uh, the church. That everything that we do is for Him, but He is uh, supreme over it. Uh, whether uh, in any iteration uh, of the church, uh, in whether it's um, I mean, we have all these church wars and who's right and who's wrong and which way are we supposed to do it. Listen, he's in charge. He is the head of his church. Uh, we, we look at the politics of the church and we think, like, how in the world is it going to go together? I don't know, but he's in charge of it. Uh, he, is, um, he is the one who is the agent of creation and spoke into nothingness 
um, and, and said, let there be light, and there was, he is the same one who is in charge of his church, and so it is going to work for his glory. I don't know how that's going to happen. Uh, I don't want to get into denominational politics, but I just, I mean, I just, I look, I, I just think, how in the world is Christ going to remain, I mean, is he going to be victorious? Because it says he's going to be. He is over uh, all of it. Uh, so he's over the church, uh, and in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That is just, that is a mind-blowing statement. That in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That, that that's again, if you want to, he's the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what Jesus, God is like, look at Jesus in to, in totality. That is what God looks like. He is all the fullness of God dwells in him. All the saving power, all the holiness, all the creative ability, all of the redeeming. Heart, all of the law, all of the gospel, dwells in Christ. It is an incredible, incredible thing to behold. Um, he is truly Emmanuel. So we move from there with just hardly any time left, and um, and I just want to see this really quickly of uh, the gospel and you. And, and he, he again. So we saw the gospel. We've been delivered. We saw the preeminence of Christ, and we see the gospel one more time in you. This is it, it's it's very personal, and, and we see um, n- not just how Jesus, our buddy, but the one who died for us is the one who was there at creation. It's all hit, the one who owns it all, by whom all things were created, and for whom all things cre- were created, and He died for you, you who. Uh, were once alienated and hostile in mind. It doesn't mean you were mean or wicked or a bad person. It just means you hated God. You wanted to be God unto yourself. And somehow by His grace and mercy, He reached into your heart and your mind and He turned that around so that and placed that faith in you. You were filled with the knowledge of His will. And so uh, you were once alienated and hostile in mind. Uh, now reconciled by his body of death, uh, that you, um, the, his body of flesh, by his death. And he did that for, for a reason. And he, he did that in order to present you as holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Isn't that amazing? He would take you, I mean, you know yourself, just like I know myself, and and the reason that Christ died was to, to take you and present you whole, as holy before God. It's that alien righteousness, that outside of us righteousness that comes down and has taken us. And, and where, I mean, where do we see humanity holy and blameless and above reproach? We're back, we're back in the garden. I mean, this is, this is, um, this is, restoration of creation and, and restoration of uh, not just creation but restoration of the relationship between God uh, and humanity and so um, and it's all in Christ the preeminent one and we see um, Paul's proclamation I'm going to stop right there and I encourage you to go uh, back there uh, but we are out of time uh, him we proclaim that's um, that it's Jesus who is um, 
our king, our authority. And so we'll see that going all through uh, the book of Colossians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. And thank you that you who are high and holy and you who are mighty and uh, we're also gracious. You who are uh, perfect are also loving. And we, we thank you for the preeminence of Christ. And we ask, God, that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will, uh, with wisdom and understanding, uh, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, that we may be fully pleasing to you. We pray, God, that you would remind us of the gospel and of the greatness of your name. And we ask it in Jesus' name, our King. Amen. Amen.